So I want to start this morning with a headline that I, I saw this past week, and it was it's very interesting. I, I think this when I saw it, I recognized that, man, this is an interesting time. This is going to be a historic thing. We're going to look back on this and talk about it. We're going to see how we handled it and how we got around it. This is a significant moment, and I, and I don't know that I've ever seen an article that says U.S. has never been here before. So I think this morning in our conversation, it, it would be wise of us to recognize that we're in, a, we're in a real specific, significant season, and that means something. That means something in terms of what God is doing and what He's trying to do, because ultimately His kingdom is still going to advance. It's just a matter of what He's doing and how He's going to do it. And if we can wrap our head around that and understand the significance of this moment, we can all do what God's called us to do. So I think it's safe to say that we're in uncharted territory. And I think the reality is that at the end of the day, everyone's just looking for hope. That's what we're looking for. Everyone's looking around, trying to figure out, where can I find some hope? Where can I find some encouragement? Because there's not a lot of encouraging things going on on the airwaves right now. Can I get an amen to that? And I think what eventually happens is we become tempted to begin to, to find some hope. So we start looking around, like, where can I find some hope? And maybe for you this morning, or maybe just for us as a people, as we're, we're trying to figure out how to move forward, maybe we, we you know, because it's, it's easy to begin depositing our hope in other things. Like, I think for those of us that are believers, we understand I'm supposed to put my hope in, in eternal things, things that I can't necessarily see right in front of me. But knowing that and sometimes living that out are two different things. And sometimes it can be difficult to make sure that we're placing our hope in the appropriate thing. So maybe some of us are, are challenged to put our hope in this, this vaccine. If we can get this vaccine and we can get everybody dosed, then we're probably going to be able to get back to normal. Well, forget, though, a vaccine is not a cure. <laughs> it's just a vaccine. But I think there's people scrambling to try to figure out how can we get back to normal. So we really hope this vaccine comes through. I'm, I'm placing my hope in this vaccine happening very soon. And, or, Lord, help us. We're also in an election year, amongst other things. So maybe some of us are putting our hope there. If we just had the right political leader, if we just had someone who leans a little bit more this way, or if we just had somebody who leans a little bit more that way, and for some reason after we see cycle after cycle after cycle after pendulum swing after pendulum swing, not a whole lot of hope going on there. But somehow we're tempted to think if we can just get our, we can get our politics right, we're going to be just fine. Or, or maybe you're the person who says, man, if I can just get the, we can get the economy roaring again. We can get the economy roaring again. My portfolio ain't looking so good. My 401k is looking a little bit weak compared to where it was before. So unintentionally, as, as many of us are believers, we begin to make these little deposits of hope into these other things. If we can get the vaccine, if we can get the politics right, if we can, we can get the economy roaring again, everything's going to be fine. And I think what we fail to realize is that all throughout history, we see that ultimately... It's misplaced hope. And what I would submit to you today is that misplaced hope is dangerous. 
is dangerous. Because when I put my hope in something, and I'm counting on it happening the way that I need it to happen, and it doesn't happen, that's when we start feeling things like despair, hopelessness, even depression. Some of us tend to be depressed. Call it uh, genetics, call it just the chemical wiring, whatever you, the, the, the way that we've been raised, the, our life up, up to this point so far, different things that's happened to us, some of us tend to get depressed. So if you place your hope in the wrong thing, you can only find at the end of the road hopelessness, depression, despair. And even in Proverbs 13, it tells us that when your hope is deferred, put off for a long time, not working out the way you thought it should or, 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 or might or how you had hoped that it would, makes your heart sick. It makes you sick. You begin to let these things settle in that start to shape everything you think and this, this filter that you begin to have that's not good for us. So as we're in this series, Who is God? I want to submit to you, I want to remind you today that hope is found in a person not circumstances. So I would submit to you that God is hope. You're not going to find it anywhere else. The world has some cheap imitations, but it isn't the real deal. And I think we need to be reminded of that this morning because it doesn't take very long paying attention to what culture is telling us and what the news headlines are and what the airwaves are depositing into our minds that we need God. He's our hope. So I want to go to Romans 8. We're going to be in Romans 8 for the rest of the day. So if you've got your Bibles or you want to turn to Romans 8, I want to read you some scriptures that I just really believe are, are not only timeless, but really applicable to the time that we're in today. Romans 8. In verse 18, I love this first line where Paul just simply says, I consider, say those two words with me, I consider. I think it's a good time to consider what's going on around us. And then he goes on to say, I consider that our present sufferings, yep, we can check that box too. I consider our present sufferings. I want you to consider your present sufferings. Maybe you've got a job concern, you've got a health concern. You're just scared in general because of what's going on around us. And I don't blame you for it. I consider that our present sufferings, this is where it gets good. I'm looking forward to a really good amen at the end of this phrase. Are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I could just stop right there. We could leave and go to lunch right now. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Because it's not just us. For creation waits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. Skip down to 24. He says, For in this hope, this hope of Christ Jesus, this hope of our Heavenly Father, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? 
But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So here's the point for the day. Hope that you can see isn't hope. That's it. That's the thing about hope. <laughs> you can't see it. It's not, a, it's not a vaccine a couple months away. It's not a, an election. It's not the Dow Jones going up. It's something we can't see yet. It's something that, quite frankly, we won't see until that day. But as human beings, we're so tempted to say, well, I need some hope right now. I need it to look good right now because I, I decided to trust in Jesus and give him my life, and he's going to work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, right? So Paul goes on to say in verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. In our weakness. Maybe you're experiencing some weakness today. We do not know what we ought to pray for. Anybody ever been there? Maybe right now. What are we supposed to pray? What are we supposed to do? On Mondays, our leadership team gets together, and we sit around a table, and I look around, and I see these amazing men and women who are just full of the gospel and full of wisdom and full of great leadership skills. And right now, we're saying, we don't know what to do. <laughs> we don't know. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. This is why a prayer language is critical to your faith. Because there's times where we don't know what to pray. We don't know how to pray. But if we allow the Holy Spirit to pray through us, He intercedes on our behalf. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. If you want to know how to pray right now, the best type of prayer is in accordance with the will of God. Because it may not be what we want. It may not be what we think we need, but we're in good company if we're aligned with the will of God. Can I get an amen? And he goes on to say in verse 34, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for you, for me, for us. So we don't have to really know what to do. We don't really have to know what to say because ultimately the Holy Spirit and Christ Jesus are both willing and ready and able to intercede for us to our Father. And then in verse 28, he says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Now, this is a great verse. We love this verse. But I think sometimes what we do is we say, And we know that in all things God works for the good. And then we stop right there. See, there's another part of it that says, Of those who love Him who have been called according to his purpose. And see, sometimes we get hung up on that because we think when he just says, he's going to work all things for good. 
Well, that doesn't, that's not what it says. He's going to work all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And sometimes when we see things around us that are not working for the good, some things around us that make us question the justice of God and the integrity of God because of what we see around us, what we don't recognize is that not everything is capable of being worked out by the good because it's not based on those who are loving him and who are called according to his purpose. That can challenge our hope. But if we're loving him, if we're serving him, if we're operating within his will through the purposes that he's instilled in all of us, he will work every good, everything for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So in 31, he goes on, he wants, he's encouraging us. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? It's a great verse. And then he says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Because, see, that sounds okay when we're not going through those things. But he's reminding us of the hardships he's going through at the moment that he's writing this because he says, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. I'm guessing that's not on anybody's bumper right now. It's probably not on your refrigerator. For your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Not a real popular verse, but the point that Paul's trying to make is that there are times where things get really hard, there are times when things look really bad. But it's in that moment that we have to recognize in verse 37 that no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, it's easy to say conquerors when we feel like we are conquering. <laughs> I don't really, I wouldn't describe us as conquering things right now. But that's the point is that someone who has hope in Jesus, who has hope in our, our Lord and Savior, can be a conqueror even when we're sheep being slaughtered. <laughs> and then he says in verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons nor the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the point of today is misplaced hope is dangerous. It disappoints every time. And so we're, we're saying that we've got to have our hope in the right thing. We've got to put our hope in God, nowhere else. But ultimately, I have one question for you. I have one question for you. Are you convinced Are you convinced? Are you convinced that neither death nor life, angels or demons, present or the future, any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate you from the love 
of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And our hope is ultimately found in his love for us. Are you convinced? Are you convinced? Do you have your hope in the right thing? Because when you have your hope in the right thing, your circumstances don't define how hopeful you're feeling. When you're convinced, you can be going through a difficult time and say, you know what, my hope isn't in this circumstance. My hope is in the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's given me some really great promises. If I can just hold on a little longer, there will come a day where I'll stand face to face before him and receive the crown of life that he promised to me. And if I can hold on to that hope and I can push through with that hope, I'll stand before him and he'll say, good job. Good job, you did it. Are you convinced? Let's bow our heads for a moment and Maybe we need a little reconvincing today. Maybe we need to take a step back and say, you know, I've always believed God is hope and I've always subscribed to that, but if I take a look at my life right now, I recognize that maybe I'm putting my hope in some things I shouldn't be. Or maybe I've gotten so glued to the narrative that's being portrayed that I have forgotten about the kingdom of God and and that narrative that ultimately trumps anything else that we're going through. Or maybe you're sitting in here this morning and maybe you feel the Lord tugging on your heart and you recognize that you've never actually put your hope in Jesus before. That there's not a relationship with God that He's made himself available to you, but you recognize that you've actually never said yes to his kingdom, yes to a relationship with God. And I just simply want to give you an opportunity to to be reconvinced, to place your hope once again in the King of Kings, or, or maybe you need to place your hope in him for the very first time. Romans 10.9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you need to put your hope in God for the first time and you, you want to give him your life, it's really simple. It's a simple thing to do, but it does cost you everything. All you have to do is cry out to him and say, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe that you died for me, that you offer forgiveness, that you offer me a true hope that I could never find anywhere else. And I want to receive you into my heart today. I want to give you my life. That's all you have to do. So I'm going to pray over all of us here in just a moment, but I want you to pray the prayer that's relevant to you today. Maybe you need some convincing. Maybe you need to just ask the Lord to give you just a, a fresh perspective on hope. Or maybe you need to trust in Jesus for the first time. Or maybe maybe you've trusted in him before, but you've walked away and you've grown, you've grown cold and you know that you're the prodigal that needs to return home. I want to give you that opportunity today.
to put your hope in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord Jesus, I thank you this morning for what you're doing. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that our hope isn't defined by what we're going through. Our hope isn't defined around the way things are going in the world around us. Our hope is defined on you who never changes, who's always the same, who who loves us dearly, who is here for our every need. Help us to keep our hope placed in you, especially in this season that we face. We don't want to have our hope in in something that's going to disappoint us. We want to have a hope in something that is a sure thing. So we come to you this morning placing our hope in you once again. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. We worship you. We love you. We celebrate you. We ask that you would go with us as we leave, that you would help us to be a people who can have hope in any situation. So when we're around people who don't have hope or people who are questioning their, where their hope is going to come from, they see something in us that's, that's sure, that's consistent. Something that they need in their life as well because we are your ambassadors. We are the carriers of the gospel. Help us to be filled with hope so that we can be hope to other people. So we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands this morning.